All right, welcome to Insight Flicks. This is our weekly movie discussion podcast where three brothers, three hardcore cinephiles talking about movies and television. Uh, we, we get together to really talk about the stuff we have watched over the past week or so. And I should say, I should say my name is Mike. And like always, I'm here with Richard and Raymond. Say hello, fellas. Hey. hey, hey. And so this week we got actually a lot of movies because uh, we, we didn't really get a chance to talk about something. So let's get, let's, let's dive into the movie uh, reviews of, of this podcast portion of the podcast uh let's let's start with a couple of things that came out a couple weeks ago uh the greatest beer run ever let's start with that one (laughs) all right so this is like an original film for for apple tv this was directed by peter fairley and this is his follow follow follow-up movie uh of his oscar-winning film the green book no just green green book (laughs) not the green book just green book okay green book which had you know met, which was met with some controversy about the i but the idea of that movie. Here he's going to a more comedy. I would say this is more dramedy. It's set during Vietnam and it has a star turning turning. Well, I guess he's a star already. Uh, it has a uh, a leading performance by uh, Zac Efron and a couple surprise cameos or guest appearances by Russell Crowe and Bill Murray. Murray. So um, let's talk about, because this is based on a true story, a stranger to fiction uh, tale about a young guy from New York who on a whim decides to go, decides to travel to Vietnam, visit his, his buddies from the neighborhood to give them beer during the Vietnam War. Uh, what was your feelings about it? Let's start with Rich. Yeah, um, I first read about the story about uh, when uh, uh, the Zac Efron and Charles Crow got um, noticed uh, being filming this movie. Some early like, reports on the set or something? Yeah, like, uh, the, well, I think it was Russell Crowe. His name was never announced as being uh, attached to the movie. And then once there was photos, the, I guess Zac Efron put his photos on Instagram and then the, the story ran. And uh, uh, that's piqued my interest uh, on on the, the movie itself because I, did, I didn't expect it. It was a Peter Farrelly movie. Yeah, like the premise sound interesting. It sounded like it could be a really good movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, watching this film, um, I still feel that way. It, it it still got a good. It still has a good premise, and but the it was just the script wasn't um, intact, uh, completed. It was it was just uh, it was just too a little too sloppy. Um, the, in the direction they didn't get, um, they didn't go full comedy with it. So it, it just it just seemed it was okay. It was it's, it's just. It, Zach Efron is not to blame. I actually liked his character, uh, which is which is a shocker. I mean, because I really didn't see Zach Efron could could pull this off, but he did his best, and it, and it, and it shows. Mm-hmm. And Russell Crowe, he's hardly in the movie. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Bill Murray is um, even less. Yeah, yeah like a cameo. Yeah. yeah, but all in all, uh, it's a, just an okay movie to me. Um, but. But before we watched it, there was a whole bunch of reviews saying that it's a, it was a true piece of shit. But it wasn't. So I was, that that made me, um, you know, enjoy it more. You went with low expectations. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm kind of in the same uh, same boat as Rich. And I also think the problem with the movie is, um, unfortunately, the, the the team behind it. I because I, I well, I think they didn't do a bad job. They did almost like a like a TV movie level job because mm-hmm. the screenplay. Look, I love these guys. I love the Farley brothers. And, uh, you know, Peter Farley wrote this uh, movie with uh, two screenwriters that he has worked with previously, the screenwriter of Stuck on You 
and the screenwriter of Hall Pass. And I think that tells you the problem with this movie right there. Mm. And um, unfortunately, Peter Farley, while I think he did a great job with Green Book, the way he directs this movie is very kind of lackluster. It's not bad, but it's just very average. It's very kind of bland. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, he doesn't really bring much to the movie as a director, and unfortunately, him and his writing team just didn't do the story justice. But they do it; they do a serviceable job. This isn't a bad movie; it's it's just passable. It's decent. Well, yeah, I think uh, Peter Fairley, and this is what I got from when, when watching Green Book. He he is a throwback to the '90s uh, filmmakers. Uh, mm-hmm. He reminds me of a P, uh, Penny Marshall type of filmmaker who kind of right. who kind of uh, uh, walks this line between comedy and drama and uh, and sometimes that comes off as as um melodramatic or too, a little too cheesy or a little more te- television quality and if it's I, done, I think also sorry i think also people are kind of tired of those type of movies right now i think it's an, like not, not I, me not me specifically but i think a lot of people are well i think it's an easy easy criticism like saying that the, you know the movie's not 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 taken too seriously or the movie is uh, too, lighthearted, yeah, too lighthearted, and I think I, because if you look at the the Oscar winner of last year, which was uh, a coda, uh, a lot of people hated that movie because it was uh, melodramatic. And but did but that it, movie have a backlash? Oh yeah, they had a yeah, huge backlash. Yeah. Oh wow, I There's, did not know. Yeah, and it's because of the melodramatic element of that well, movie. Well, I, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised of it because I actually did criticize the movie a little bit. <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't love the movie as much as YouTube, but I was like, it's a little too melodramatic. It's like a little <laughs> generic, but it's good. You know, it's good enough. It's I'm okay with it winning Best Picture. It's just you know, I, I wish it was better. <laughs> I think people think to direct a movie that's melodramatic is is easy or it's an easy way out. Yeah. And I think if you do good melodrama. Like I would say, I give you an example. I think Top Gun Maverick is a good melodramatic movie. There's nothing that's overly uh, inventive. That movie is kind of a, a really straightforward sequel to a blockbuster franchise that's done very well, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's not it's not pushing any boundaries or, or pushing the envelope. And I think people accept that. So I, I think maybe critics might, um, although although Top Gun Maverick uh, critics love that movie. I think people are too easy to criticize a good melodramatic film. That being said, I think the greatest Spiel run ever was a little, it did lack something. It was very clunky in its message. It certainly is a trying, it's certainly trying to say something about the anti-war movement of the time. It's, you know, but it's, it's something we've heard a million times. And yeah. well, I don't think it does a poor job of saying it. Uh, we've seen much better, uh, a much better job. I mean, we've seen like you know, uh, the the same sentiment like in the twenty minute episode of television stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, this movie kind of reminds me of some of the episodes in Quantum Leap when they would uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, focus on the Vietnam War. And if anyone who's a fan of Quantum Leap, I'm not talking about the reboot. I'm talking about the original one with Scott Bakula. And the, you know he. Uh, the, 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 I don't think I don't think I don't think anyone even knows there's a reboot. <laughs> well, there was a couple episodes where they focus on uh, on the Vietnam War, and this kind of movie kind of feels like that. It does feel like a TV. There's a TV quality to this movie, but I think it uh, when we get to uh, Russell Crowe, who plays a a photojournalist, a wartime photojournalist, he, uh, the movie kind of reminds me of a couple of great films that came out around in the '80s. Uh, Salvador, the Oliver Stone yes. movie with James Woods, which I think does a better job of that type with with that portion of the movie, and also the Killing Fields, which is again an, an, another great kind of film about um, uh, what was it? It's uh, the, the 
The Fall of Cambodia. That you know that that was another great film uh, that deals with wartime journalists. Both of those are great movies, but I'm yeah. glad you brought up Salvador because I while watching the movie, I it's been a couple of weeks since I watched it, but I remember when I watched it, like Salvador kept coming to my mind. I'm like, man, with a different creative team, this and a different director, this could have been like like Salvador. Yeah, but you know, unfortunately, it, it is what it is. It is what it is, and you know, like 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 you, Rich, I I do I I was impressed by Zac Efron's performance, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. The the movies we're describing, you know, like Salvador, The Killing Fields, he would be the wrong choice to star in that type of movie if they went in that direction. <laughs> you know, so he's perfect for this kind of like loosey goosey, uh, almost an attempt for feel good film, or like maybe an inspirational film. But uh, ultimately, the movie is just decent enough. It's not bad. Yeah, and it's I think it's an it's okay, very admirable. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's an okay film. It's I would give it like if I had to give it a grade. I would give it a C plus. That's exactly my grade. <laughs> and I, I don't. I think when people, when the crit, you're rich, you were talking about the critics. They have so much a stick up their butt because of Green Book <laughs> winning the yeah. Oscar. Yeah, and, and they also, but they want to penalize Pete fairly for this for some reason. And I think that's they're just biased, and they really kind of did. You know, they they can't get all get that out of their head when they're when they're crit, criticizing criticizing this film because it, it, overall this movie is not harmless i mean this this movie's harmless this is not harming anybody yeah and i think yeah. the biggest complaint i heard from all a bunch of critics was oh he had a a magical a bag of beer the whole throughout the whole movie that <laughs> never got empty and, and well, well yeah. I, I agree with that that, yeah. I, that that bothered me throughout the movie because <laughs> it feels like it feels like peter farley like intentionally kept it always full because he shot it out of order he was like i don't know how i'm gonna put this together so like whatever <laughs> But that that you know that's just a mindless mistake. You know, it's still it's still part it. of the story. I mean, it, yeah, you you go with it. But yeah. it, it did make it it did make it feel more far fetched at times because it's like, man, I think he only brought like four cases, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 something like that. Whoever. <laughs> and they drank a lot of beer like even in the first like the first time the, the first, first stop yeah. Like, yeah the first stop it's like that's at least one case right like, come on <laughs> well when i saw the trailer for the greatest beer run ever i thought this was going to be a, a smaller picture and i was surprised that the, uh, this was actually felt a little bit bigger than it is you know there's there's moments where there's elephants and the elephants looks pretty mm. decent i don't know if there were cgi I'm, I'm assuming there were cgi there was moments where where zach efron's character is running a helicopter and and so i'm like oh so the, there is a budget and it does there's like a quality quality level to this movie and i think that's why i kind of don't want to shit on it because it's not necessarily a a terrible terrible failure it, it's just like kind of clunky and, and it you know it does its job and you know it does feel like a kind of a throwback to the, some of those 90s feel good movies yeah like operation dumbo drop <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah so if you kind of love those old classic 90s you know feel good uh, uh message movies i think this is uh perfect uh, f- i think this would be perfectly fine and you know uh, apple tv uh, i'm sure they don't i don't know they don't really have a much great selection of original movies and this is perfect for them this is perfect and, for uh, coda you know if you're watching coda go watch this movie and also um, uh, since you mentioned salvador earlier mm-hmm. I like to mention that the Nick Nolte film that that he did oh, under yeah. fire, under fire, and that and, the, and that one's similar, a lot, very similar to. Yeah, all these movies have a uh, wartime journalist uh, mm-hmm. storyline based on true story, based on real conflicts in the, around the world. And yeah, I, and the thing is, those movies are just a hundred times better <laughs> than this yeah, movie. Yeah. So maybe that's a uh, uh, it, it, it doesn't help. 
the this movie, but um, but at least it's it's trying to say something about war. I mean, I lo- there's a line in the movie that Russell Crowe says something about war is not a game or and it's it's a crime scene or something like that. And I go, I go, that's a really decent line. I really like that idea. And like at least someone's saying something about war. And uh, it's it's too bad that it's Pete Farley saying it, but you know, but because this is the guy who gave us uh, Dumb and Dumber, yeah. but at least he's trying to do something different. I, I appreciate his his willingness to learn and and stretch out his you know his his skills a little bit uh, and his scope. Also, I, I want to say before we uh, end this review that uh, while the movie is very kind of negative with with critics, uh, audience seem to be enjoying it. I mean, on Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, as a much uh, higher audience score 91 percent oh wow and uh i mean it is it says it only has 50 reviews <laughs> but but um but i mean i but i mean i, th- I think it's i think this is a kind of a crowd pleaser movie just maybe not if you're like a critic that's going into the movie looking for flaws because i think that's kind of how critics approach this film because mm-hmm. they hate peter farley <laughs> I, I think this movie has similar flaws in like Top Gun Maverick or something like that. You can go with it. Yeah, it's, it's just not a, it's not an Oscar caliber movie, that's for sure. Oh yeah, and that and that, that's that clearly what they were hoping for. But, or something, yeah. Yeah, but but it's not. Yeah. All right, so Rich, would you recommend this movie? If you have Apple Plus, yeah, definitely give it a shot for sure. I would say yeah. It's definitely not a movie that's going to be on my top ten list, uh, but it's definitely a decent enough recommendation. I, I don't think it's that bad of a movie. And maybe part of that is because I had really low expectations when it came to uh, Zac Efron. <laughs> I didn't really think he was a great actor. And this one, in this, in this, this film, I think he did a decent enough a job, a, de- a decent enough job to really kind of at least win me over for this part. And he did it. I think I think that was good enough for me. And it's a it's an okay movie. I, I think it's just a completely okay movie. So I would recommend yeah. it too. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm- a similar boat as you guys like i mean if you're in a mood for a, a melodramatic film i think you could do worse than green or than not green book than uh, <laughs> the greatest beer run ever <laughs> the greatest beer run ever <laughs> yeah, so. well i mean we're all fans of green book uh we didn't you know like a lot of people want to shit on green book and i see some of the, those points and i i but i think ultimately green book works for what it is a throwback and it has you know like like this movie has a good message uh it does it deserve all this hate I mean, I don't, maybe, I, I, I don't think it should, you know, I certainly didn't think it deserves to win the Oscar, but it, I, there's a lot worse movies that won the Oscar that I, th- I could think of, like Crash won the Oscar, so I, you know, and that's a terrible movie. Uh, well, I wouldn't say Crash is much worse. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're like on par, right? <laughs> but I do think Green Book is a better movie than, than uh, the greatest beer run ever. Which, which, which movie you like more, uh? Greatest beer run ever or Green Book? Oh, Green Book. Uh, Vigo is unstoppable. In that yeah, one. Vigo's a much better. I mean, I think Vigo and, and Mahershal Ali, I like their chemistry in that movie mm-hmm. a lot. So Definitely. that's probably the reason why I, we loved Green Book that much. But yeah, like we said before, you could go ahead and check out The Greatest Beer Run Ever, which is now available on Apple TV. Uh, Rich, quickly, let's get your uh, thoughts on Bullet Train. This is a movie that came out of VOD recently. Uh, Raymond saw this on uh, when it hit theaters uh, in August. Just give me. And, a uh, you f- you fell asleep through it, right? I fell asleep through it. I didn't. I didn't particularly <laughs> like the movie, but I you know only saw maybe twenty minutes of it. So, mm-hmm. Rich, you saw you <laughs> saw the rest of the film. You saw the whole. You saw the entire film. Mm-hmm. What was your just you know, quickly? What's your thoughts on Bullet Train? 
Um, it was just okay. I mean, I, I liked uh, I liked David Leach. Um, I liked his last two movies that I saw, uh, uh, Deadpool two and uh, Hobbs and Shaw. I liked and Atomic uh, Blonde. Atomic Blonde had um, had good elements in it too. Uh, um, but yeah, this one felt the the beginning definitely felt a little flat. Um, the comedy wise, um, Brad Pitt all along I liked throughout the movie the uh characters uh tangerine and lemon played by aaron taylor johnson brian and brian tyree henry um i didn't really understand them <laughs> i literally didn't understand them at first i had like listened to them for like at least a half hour before or, yeah a half hour before i finally you know gotten got used to their accents and stuff like that. oh wow so you're like i need to put the subtitles on yeah i should have done the start <laughs> started from the beginning because it just took me a while i mean i was going because it's they they were I know they were throwing jokes out there, but they're just so flat. They and, yeah, yeah, they were bad jokes. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it's a big um, ensemble cast, and they all th throw in there all five minutes. And, um, everyone's getting their five minutes due, and uh, um, it was just okay. It was just the the movie itself was just okay to me. It was, um, but uh, Brad Pitt. Um, yeah, I it's don't fun. blame him. He, he was the best part of it. Uh, 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 it. It was fine. It was just, there was action in it, but not in the beginning, not very much. But um, oh, I, I disagree with that. I think there was a, I think the movie was pretty much just a action ride from beginning to end. But um, I, I, for the most part, agree with Rich. Um, this is not a, a great movie at all. I think the screenplay for it is really, really bad. And mm -hmm. I think the movie tries extremely hard to be this kind of like, uh, kind of, I don't know, mixture of like Quentin Tarantino or Guy Ritchie kind of type of dialogue, but it fails miserably at it. And uh, like they have this kind of like running train with like Thomas the Choo Choo train oh, or yeah. whatever. It's Useless. so annoying. Yeah. So annoying. I hated it so much. And um, that's the type of witty dialogue they have in this movie. It's, it's awful. The, screen, the screenplay for this movie is trash. But I saw this movie in theaters and mm. I think the action in this movie is actually really, really good. And I think in theaters, this is a much enjoyable film. This is kind of a movie that's meant to be watched in theaters. And um, it was fun. And I, I had a good time watching it. So I'm probably, I'm more enthusiastic on the on the movie than Rich. But um, I'm sure when I watch it at home, I'm going to be like, it's not going to be as special. It's going to be just like, oh, okay, yeah. But the one highlight I do remember from the movie, you know, besides the action, um, is Brad Pitt is really, really fun in this movie. Uh, Brad Pitt really reminded me a bit of um, like a mixture of uh, the dude from Big Lebowski. And um, I don't remember the character, but uh, uh, um, Kurt, Kurt Russell's character from uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, Jack. Jack Burton. Jack Burton? Yeah, uh, the, the, those, the, it reminded me a little bit of those characters. Like, and maybe I guess a little bit of Brad Pitt's like stoner character from uh, True Romance. Like, <laughs> yeah. Those three characters like blended together, and um, it, it was just a fun character that uh, I I really enjoyed. But the movie's kind of it's his movie, but um, I would say that the the twins or whatever the uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Terry Henry they have a ton of screen time also, and unfortunately yes. they they take up they take a lot of. Uh, they take a lot of fun away from uh, Brad Pitt because I'd a lot of times when we're with their characters, I'd rather be with Brad Pitt. But it's no it's no fault to uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson or uh, Brian Tyree Henry. I think they both gave great performances, especially Aaron Taylor Johnson. But they weren't fun. 
to be around. And I think they were trying really, really hard with those characters to be mm-hmm. like really fun and wacky, and it just wasn't doing it. But with Brad Pitt, I mean, Brad Pitt was effortless. <laughs> he was fun. I mean, that's why he kind of took me back to those other characters I just talked about. Because they're just, they're just walking through these movies. You know what I mean? So, so both of you would recommend this movie? I would say. Light recommend? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I saw. I, I, I'm, I'm sure when I watch it at home, um, I'm, I'm not going to enjoy it as much as I did when I watched it in theaters. So I'll, I'll probably say it's like a rental. And when mm. I think right now people can can rent it. So, yeah, check it out. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's October right now, so Halloween's coming up. So after Halloween, it's November. It's going to be Thanksgiving, so people are going to be looking at family films. And so in Disney Plus, they kind of released this last month, Pinocchio, which is they kind of touted as the, uh, as a good family film. Uh, Raymond, you sat down to watch it. This is directed by Robert Zemeckis. It has him reteaming with Tom Hanks. Is it any good? Yes, uh, Robert Zemeckis, one of my favorite filmmakers, has made some of my favorite movies from my childhood, and uh, some of my the first dramas I ever watched as well with like Castaway and Forrest Gump. And but I mean uh, his movies, you know, the Back to the Future trilogy, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I mean, definitely had huge, huge effect on me as a child. Uh, love him as a filmmaker. He's 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 great. Um, but as as everyone will agree, his movies have not been the best. And unfortunately, this is a new low for Robert Zemeckis. Um, I think these Disney Plus, uh, or not Disney Plus, but I think these Disney live action remakes have been pretty uh, awful with the exception of like one or two. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, I, I mean, kind of like I was just saying for Robert Zemeckis, this is the new low for him. This is kind of the, 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 the worst Disney live action Disney remake I have seen yet. And I, I, I was, I thought maybe Lion King was probably the worst I had seen because it was just like a, like a, a, a soulless shot for shot remake, just that completely lost the spirit of everything that made the original special. This, 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 you know, this takes it to a new level. And um, <laughs> well, well, it has been a, a month since I've seen the movie, so I'm, I'm kind of vague on it. I will say that I don't think there was anything really redeeming about the movie. Um, it was. It wasn't, uh, I would say it wasn't a, a painful experience to sit through. Like, it was watchable. It was totally watchable. <laughs> but it was more watchable in, like, wow, I can't believe I'm watching what I'm watching. I can't believe I'm seeing what I'm seeing. Like, I can't believe they messed it up this bad. Like, uh, it, it, it's a disaster. Mm. And some people have complained about kind of the CGI, that, that the, the puppet, the the. the... Pinocchio it's puppet. not great, but but I mean the movie has much bigger problems. <laughs> and Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the voice of Jimmy K- uh, Cricket, his like he like there some of the casting choices here were kind of off. Some people have complained about. Yeah, it's not it's not great. Unfortunately, um, Tom Hanks just feels like uh, he makes the character uh, I forgot uh, uh, Geppetto. I, I forgot the character's name. He makes him seem like just this crazy senile old man. <laughs> Is just talking to his animals. He's talking to his cat. He's talking to his goldfish. <laughs> they make they make him just seem like a drunk, uh, crazy guy. <laughs> and well, I don't think that was the intention. <laughs> it's it's so funny that Tom Hanks, who had you know a, a really impeccable filmography, and yet he comes out with these two wild performances this year. Uh, this this movie and Elvis, where he plays uh, Colonel <laughs> uh, Parker, the Colonel. And like this is like two of the wild wildest performances we got from Tom Hanks in a very long time, and yet it's yeah. all in these in, in these two movies <laughs> this year. And so you're you're so you're saying skip this completely? Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's still something that uh, people should check out if you want to see just like 
something that's really really bad like <laughs> <laughs> hate watch you want to watch this well Raymond. i wouldn't say hate watch mm-hmm. but Raymond, which which would you rather recommend, Pinocchio or the Monsters? Oh, the Monsters also. <laughs> wow did Did you see Robert Zemeckis's last movie, The Witches? No, I ha- I didn't. I didn't. I heard it was uh, pretty bad, but I can't imagine it's as bad as this. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, because that that was for HBO Max, which I think they took off their site. I don't think you could really get that anymore. <laughs> they just took that off. And uh, yeah, he's like he's been in a slump. Uh, Welcome to Marwin, which was the last feature film that to, to be released in theaters. Theatrically, that yeah. was uh, a, a bomb as well, and I, critically too. I kind of like Allied, the one before that with the uh, Brad. I never Pitt. watched that. Oh yeah, that was Brad, a, I, Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard. That movie was really really fun, and it's unfortunate that the, the critics didn't back that support that movie, and they they thought there was some kind of throwback. And it was. It was like this throwback to a, a you know, like, Casablanca. I think it was. Yeah, it was like a kind of a 1940s kind of WW2 espionage thriller, where Brad Pitt plays a intelligent intelligent officer who who's married to a, a French resistance fighter, but he doesn't know. He gets some information and he doesn't know if she's a spy or not. If she was spying him on, on him. All yeah, along. I thought I thought it worked very well in a kind of throwback way, old Hollywood type, a vintage type of way. Mm-hmm. And you got two of the greatest, you know, Hollywood superstars, you know, Brad Pitt and uh, Marilyn Cotillard. Marilyn, yeah, Marilyn Cotillard. So I thought it worked well. And I don't know why critics shitted on it. And maybe it's, you know, Zemeckis's, you know, his reputation of the last couple of years, you know, like he's losing it or whatever. But I thought Allied was a very good movie. And I would recommend that if you find that somewhere. I don't know. Uh, no, I'm not sure. And also, I was a big fan of The Walk, which was his like last uh, big 3D movie with um, Joseph uh, Gordon Gordon Levitt, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so I mean, he could. I, I, there's still room for him to come back, and I don't know when <laughs> he will come back. He will come back, but I, I hope I hope there's one more film in his in it in him to really kind of show what pe- what he could do. What but he produced- I don't know. <laughs> I, I unfortunately, I unfortunately, I think Robert Zemeckis just. I, isn't very interested in storytelling anymore. Well, I guess Al- Allied Allied would have been that, but I mean, the fact that the movie bombed, I mean, maybe it, it even discourages him to make something like that again. Mm. I think he's just more interested in just like doing special effects and advan- advancing special effects. But I mean, he's not, I, 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 he's, he's not, you know, having that much success doing that. I mean, he's, he really tried to like pioneer like um, motion, motion capture for a while yeah and then uh like I, I think peter jackson did a better job at him he took it over and then he he starts all these things and then other filmmakers come and then like make it like you know a thing he produced uh the the tom hanks film finch for apple plus mm, yes yeah, right, which we right. liked and and, oh, yeah. and also um he's producing manifest which got, which has got a um a total um cult revamp yeah on netflix well, I don't think I. Well, let me say really quick. I don't think Robert Zemeckis lost it. I just don't think he's interested in, in doing films like that anymore. Mm. I really just think he's more interested in technology and uh, you know. I think he's like a James Cameron type of guy because I also don't think James Cameron's necessarily that interested in, in storytelling anymore. I think he's more interested in technology and all that and advancing that with film and and the and cinema taking cinema in, in new places. You know, from that perspective, not necessarily storytelling. Uh, maybe, maybe. Maybe we'll yeah, but see. I just, I, but I think James Cameron's having better success than Robert. <laughs> yeah. So here's a movie that we 
me and Rich will recommend. It's Emily the Criminal. This is available on VOD. This was this came out in theaters in like select theaters in August, around August. It was a Sundance hit. It did well in Sundance. It premiered in Sundance. And it stars Audrey Plaza and um, Theo Rossi. Theo Rossi's, uh, he's best known in, uh, oh, what was it called? Uh, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. And also Luke Cage. He was like one of the villains yeah. in Luke Cage. Um, this is like an interesting crime thriller. A, kind of like a street level thriller. And so, so Audrey Plaza plays a, a a woman struggling in Los Angeles. She's just basically trying to pay off her bills. She has a, a, a tremendous amount of debt because of her college and 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 just regular just living in Los Angeles. And so she no, gets she to, got she got busted before. Well, she has a record, yes, that's, and yeah. this is the reason why she couldn't, you know, get corporate jobs really because she has this kind of criminal record. She well, that's that's a. It's just a record where she has like an assault record. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so she's like kind of stuck in these kind of uh, menial uh, or these like kind of uh, low paying labor jobs. And she's, you know, she went to college. She's, uh, I want to say she was a fashion designer. Uh, that's the job she was going for. But I think, uh, I think she was just an artist. Okay. She was an artist. She definitely wants to be an artist. She was taking arts, art, art school, art lessons, whatever, whatever. She, was, she, was, she went to college for it. And yeah. so, um, She's trying to get the opportunity to, to become a professional, mm-hmm. but she's kind of stuck in these kind of low-paying jobs. And she gets an opportunity because she's so so in debt. She gets an opportunity to uh, do some light credit card fraud, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so she meets uh, this guy t- played by uh, Theo Rossi, who is uh, a person who is part of some kind of credit card fraud ring. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of just simply just using the credit card, going to buying TVs and. And items and in, in, in stores and using uh you know fake credit cards uh stolen credit cards and you know what's so what I, what I really like about it it feels very real it feels very genuine it, the writer director here his name is John Panton Ford and it really feels like he um researched a, a couple things I mean it does feel like the, this was a, a based on some true idea or some kind of true kind of system that's going on right now. Right. And, oh wow! The way movies used to be made, people actually <laughs> researched. And 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 what's so interesting about this? This is such a. This is a. You could tell this is a low budget movie, and I don't say that because of the the way it looks. Just by the way that it's just a small scale type of criminal film. This is not dealing with like the mob or the, you know the cartel, the Mexican cartel. This is really mm-hmm. just street level kind of criminal uh, activity that Audrey Plaza finds herself in. And just gets deeper and deeper stuck in that system, and I, th- I just found this very, very entertaining. I think it's fantastically shot. Well, I know it's done on a limited budget, but it feels there's a certain uh, scope to it. Uh, yeah, so I was I really enjoyed this movie. Rich, what was your thoughts on Emily the the criminal? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't blank, and uh, I didn't see, I didn't even bother I didn't even check out the uh, trailer, um, so I didn't I. I um, so I had no idea what it was because I'm not a big fan of Aubrey Plaza mm-hmm. going into this. And, uh, um, I never saw the office or, or, um, what other, uh, things that parks and rec. Park, parks and rec. Yeah. Um, uh, the only thing I remember her from was being drunk in the MTV awards or something like that. Oh, that was, a, <laughs> I think that was a skit, right? That was a bit. I don't know what it was, but it was just stupid. <laughs> so I was never a big fan. And, uh, um, 
um uh but going into this and then watching her for like the first 10 minutes i was i was enthralled with it i i i this this was this was just a pure independent um film yeah uh, this is that, like a throwback to those uh, 90s yeah, refreshing yeah this is like a throwback to those 90s crime thrillers that we would get back then and and it feels like a kind of low scale michael mann type of film mm. uh, if, if michael mann only had like maybe five cents like yeah. this is like a low scale type of crime thriller like you richard uh, audrey plaza as a comedian i was never really a big fan of uh mm-hmm. but Audrey Plaza as the dramatic actress. I, I'm I'm really impressed by this uh, yeah. by, by her performance. This is really just driven by her performance, and she does a good job. And she's also the producer on this. And you know, uh, it's unfortunate because if this movie came out in the '90s, I think this would have been one of the great crime films of that time. You know, and yeah. she would probably become like Uma Thurman. You know, like when what happened to her after Pulp Fiction. Oh. You know, like like it's unfortunate that this comes out now, where no one really cares about crime films anymore, and it's it's. But I mean, I hope more people go watch it because I think it has a. It's great. very possible, like it, uh, this could be one of those movies that shows up on Netflix and then it randomly just pops up in the top ten, and people just find it out that find about it that way. I hope so. It that way. I hope yeah. so. I hope so, and I hope like maybe. I think it. I think it probably will because this. I. I'm. Uh, what studio releases? Oh, I think Lionsgate, maybe? Uh, no, no, I think yeah, it's so, road, Roadside. Yeah, yeah. it's Roadside. So then it's definitely going to be on Netflix. You know what I mean? And Netflix will definitely acquire it for, for, for a while. And um, people will discover it because they, uh, they don't have enough, you know, movies that are non-Netflix on there anymore. Every time something mm. that's non-Netflix shows up on there, it rises to the most watch, right? Well, so I, I, hope, I hope it's Netflix and not Hulu because Hulu. Oh, yeah, is- Hulu, yeah. They'll be lost forever. Exactly. <laughs> For a while, at least. We should, we should also point out that Theo Rossi, yeah. this is probably one of his better performances, too. Oh, yeah. And is Theo I, Rossi the guy from uh, Luke Cage and Sons of Anarchy? Yeah. yeah he's exactly. the guy who okay. plays um, Juice. Juice, yeah. Juice in Sons of Anarchy and then Shades in Luke Cage. <laughs> that, that's, Shades, horrible. Like that, that's horrible. That's horrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah I, uh, I, I loved him on Sons of Anarchy. Though. Right, and he, uh, I knew he—I knew he was a much better actor um, uh, from his his uh, character portrayal in in, in Luke Cage. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, this one proves it. This one actually proves it, and I, and I hope he gets better roles for, with from people watching this film. And it's, we should add that I, I was listening to some interviews with the writer director here, John. Patton Ford. This is his feature film debut. It was a right. really impressive feature film debut. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how, you know, it took this took years to get made, just to get financing. Uh, Audrey Plaza uh, was always attached to it. She wanted to do this. She thought she could really knock out this performance, and she does. And uh, he, he had someone else in mind, or, or he cast, uh, instead of Theo Rossi, but this this actor, and he didn't say who who the actor was. But this actor got in, uh, in trouble with the law. He got arrested for something. <laughs> no wonder they didn't say. <laughs> yeah, he didn't say. He got arrested right before they were about to shoot, and they 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 you know took him. He took a meeting with the other producers, and they go, "Should we go with this guy? You know, he has a, a this you know this is this this personal problem now. I mean, is that going to affect the, the the promotion of this movie? So they decided to recast. So they got Theo Rossi literally at the last minute and he was like next day on a flight and you would think that he was a part of this 
you know, this, you know, you think you would think that he knew this script, you know, beforehand and he worked this out. Yeah. Because he's so fantastic in the movie. And he has this great chemistry with Audrey Plaza. And they're, 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 they're really good in the together, you know, because all the scenes are with these two. Mm-hmm. And he just, he was, I, I, I'm so impressed by just knowing that little piece of information about how he just didn't, you know, have time to like kind of read the script prepare. or anything yeah, to prepare. Right. And, and he just, if he was terrific, I, I, this movie really is one of my favorite movies of the year. And, you know, I was watching this movie, what, this came out in VOD like a couple of weeks ago, a month ago or so. And at the same time, I, w- I was watching She-Hulk. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and this is kind of almost the anti-She-Hulk. And what I mean by that, this is a female-driven film. You got, a, a, you know, you got a woman here. You got, you know, she's, Audrey Plaza is playing a real woman in struggle. And she has to overcome those struggles. And you kind of sympathize with that. And she's like, feels like a real person. And watching this movie and watching She-Hulk where this, you know, the character of Jessica Walters feels so phony. and feels like such a cosmopolitan woman. It just, you, it, you know, like all the characters in that, in that show just feels unreal or just feels like the writers, you know, you know, especially after yeah. now watching the, the finale of She-Hulk and I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. This is like the antidote. You know, this is Emily the Criminal is like kind of the, the real kind of feminist film that you should check out because, you know, the character of Emily feels very much a real person and very much struggling with some of the things that are issues that people are struggling with. Debt, uh, mm-hmm. trying to live, trying to pay their apart- someone's apartment, working in shitty jobs. These, this is a real character. And I don't feel that when I see Jessica Walters and She-Hulk, you know, <laughs> trying to date somebody or something like that, you know, in some kind of corporate situation or something like that. So I would suggest, well, please watch Emily the Criminal because it, it's, first, you get a really great performance by Audrey Plaza. Second, you know, there's this great feature film debut by this guy, John Peyton Ford, and I hope he goes on to do uh, become a big, big director. And 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 uh, Theo Rossi, Theo Rossi is just a yeah. terrific co-star in this. So let me add really quick that um, I actually really wanted to see this movie back when it was in theaters, and I was planning on seeing it, but um, it's playing an hour away from me. So I was like, okay, let me go in a couple of days. And then when I went, when I was going to go, I checked the show times, and it was already out of theaters. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I know. It's it's sad because even Audrey Plaza, I listened to an interview with her, and she said that it's it's very. She said like almost it's very depressing to for this movie to kind of go to come out in theaters. And although she's very appreciative that it came out in theaters, but it's very depressing that this, a movie like this kind of just goes under the radar and gets lost. Well, they didn't, in the it was no, had no marketing. Yeah. Well, also it was a Sundance hit, but the Sundance was digital and that's what, that was the that, first time they got screwed. Yeah. And also that, um, Sundance don't have, doesn't have much power anymore. They, they don't carry that yeah. as much weight as it, as they used to. It used to be like if you came out of Sundance and you were like a well-received film, that used to play well with audiences, and it doesn't anymore. And I don't know. I, I like I said, if this movie came out in the in the late '90s, this would have been one of the bigger movies of that year. So, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people. I I, I I know for sure a lot of people don't know this movie exists. So please, you know, look look for it and and check it out. Uh, so highly recommend. Most likely will end up in my top ten this this year. Rich, is this going to be one of your favorite movies of the year? So far, it looks like it. Definitely. Okay. Okay. So highly recommend, right? Yeah. 
All right, let's talk about another movie that we both saw on Netflix. Uh, maybe, maybe be in your top 10 films, Rich. Blonde? Oh, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> uh, this is the highly controversial Marilyn Monroe biopic, uh, written and directed by Andrew Dom- Dominic from, uh, uh, what's this, uh, the uh, Assassination Jesse of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Uh, he also did Chopper, which was one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And uh, Killing Them Softly with with uh, Brad Pitt, we just mm-hmm. talked about. And Blonde is kind of a a beautiful-looking movie, but highly controversial because of the poetic license they took about um, Marilyn Monroe's life. It has really, a, a, I would say, a strong performance by Anna de Armas. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, this movie is three hours long. I would say pretty pretentious at times, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, but you know, very beautiful to look at, but very strong subject matter. You know, we, we're, we're seeing most of the time Marilyn Monroe at her worst and at her kind of most vulnerable. Uh, this is a tough one to go through, and this is a t- tough movie to, to, uh, to like. I don't think even I do like, I don't know if I like this movie at all. But I do uh, admire it in some way, in a kind of a weird way. Uh, what is your thoughts, Rich? I thought direction-wise, um, well, well, let me do, well, first say that. Uh, yeah, Anna Diarmas as portrayal as uh, Marilyn Monroe, I thought she she did a fairly decent job. And I, I thought uh, she did even a better job than uh, Michelle... Um, Williams? Michelle Williams in uh, um, her portrayal, which got, uh, I think she got nominated for that. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and uh, I was never a fan of that um, um, uh, performance of hers, but yeah, Anna Diarmas blew her away in in my week with Marilyn. Yeah, Uh, but the film itself was very artsy fartsy for me, Uh, and it was just. um, But there was some moments in the film itself I I appreciated, especially uh, there was one scene of her going to a world premiere. And you see everyone in the background, all men, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see their faces warped and stuff like that, uh, warped with their smiles and the way they're, they're laughing and stuff like that. I thought that was very uh, creative. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, yeah, that's what I liked about the, the Everyone in the crowd were all men who look like they were from the, 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 the time period. Mm-hmm. That was great casting uh, all along for the them um but everything else meh <laughs> yeah i mean it was just uh it, it was, it's a chore to go through that's for let sure let me ask you if this was like shorter if this was like two hours would it work no no okay. because uh it'll just be it'll just feel a little quicker that's all okay. but it, the, the pacing would be the same okay uh you know people complained that this was not a accurate portrayal of marilyn monroe this, no this course. was so if this was, say, Marilyn Joro, or like if they changed the name and it wasn't Marilyn Monroe, would that work? Like, for instance, what's that Janis Joplin biopic that's not Janis Joplin? It was called The Rose, whatever, The Rose. Oh, okay. Which, which uh, that was Bette Miller? Bette yeah. Miller? Yeah, yeah. And it was, she was playing a totally different character, but everyone kind of knew she was playing Janis Joplin. Now, if if Anna de Armas is playing, you know, Mary something, would that have would this movie work if in that context? I don't know, Daddy. 
<laughs> I hated that part. Daddy, daddy. Well, daddy, a lot of people daddy. hated that part. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the portrayal of Marilyn Monroe here is she's a victim. She is innocent. She is mm-hmm. a sex uh, symbol. Uh, you know, but <laughs> part of me, it's so weird because I've been, because I've been hating some of the recent biopics because they have these same kind of tropes. They have these same kind of, you know, the ups and downs of of a, of a, of a famous person. It's like they, they have the same kind of beats. I do appreciate that uh, Andrew Dominic was trying to do something totally different for a biopic. I would say this is not even necessarily a biopic. This is kind of more of a fever dream. This is something in between Terrence Malick and David Lynch. Yeah. This is some kind of nightmare where he's using uh, the, the, not necessarily Marilyn Monroe's life, but really kind of this image of Marilyn Monroe, you know, this, this fake image of Marilyn Monroe to say something about Hollywood, say something about the, the, yeah. the, the evil of, of fame. Uh, but it's done with such a kind of, blunt force when he's trying to say something he's really kind of hitting you with this blunt force kind of way yeah. and it, it, it's not it's not necessarily nuance it's it's basically in your face it's but the part of me because he's doing things like to to deliberately piss you off or he's he's deliberately trying to not make a mainstream movie i do kind of like that boldness that 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 that, that audaciousness let me ask you though, really, Mike. Um, do you think this this movie is exploitive? That's so interesting because it's exploitive. Because of the criticism it's getting. It's it's exploitive if you think this is the real Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. But I think he's he's using. I think he's deliberately using. It's like a metaphor or something. But yeah, I think he's. he's this, it's based on a book uh, by uh, Joyce Carol Oates. So it's all. It, de- it depends on the book. I mean, if he's if he's a uh, if he's doing uh you know writing a screenplay based on the um her novel right then and they, they said that novel was a fictional version of the history you know exactly so that, that novel also did uh yeah it did no just no justice for uh marilyn Monroe yeah she was yeah. using different kind of things scenarios out of her life right and also expanding other kind of trauma and maybe taking some other parts from different people and putting in, in the book Right. So I think I think Andrew Dominic uh is doing the same thing. It's such a it's really such a weird movie. Someone kind of uh I forgot who, but someone uh compared this to Eraserhead. And I think that's oh. a fair comparison because it is oh, kind that of that makes me want to watch it. <laughs> it is a weird movie. It's not like necessary. There's no kind of narrative scenes in here. There's no scenes of talking. It's just kind of image after image mm-hmm. after image. And it does in a in a impressive way, recreate a lot of those images that you see in like Life magazine or you see in some of Marilyn Monroe's movies. They kind of accurately uh, recreate those kind of imagery, and so it's and it's very impressive. So if you know if it wasn't for the uh, the controversy, I think uh, I could definitely see nominations for cinematography, for mm-hmm. uh, for, for for production, definitely for clothing or for costume. I think all that could have been easily nominated for something. Do you, do you think the experience you had watching this movie is like walking through like a museum, <laughs> like a funhouse no. mu- yeah, museum? Yeah. <laughs> like it's a, like it's a, a nightmarish. Yeah, it's a very nightmare type of movie. And I think the only time we really get a sense of who Marilyn Monroe 
was is the scenes with Adrian Brody, who plays um, uh, uh, Arthur Miller, one mm-hmm. one of her husbands. And it's really at that point the movie kind of slows down a bit and um, tries to say something personal about her her personal life, but it, it, that's only like maybe. 10, 15 minutes within this three-hour movie. Most of it is just a constant series of images, and it's a lot of it's doing about her trauma. She was sexually abused. She was an orphan. She had a, a you know a complex relationship with her mother. Uh, you know she had a complex relationship with fame. Uh, the only thing I kind of could think of was that man to- Toby Huss, who. Uh, we all know as a kind of comic uh, actor. Is he from like King, King of the Hill? Yes. Uh, he does some voices. Um, oh, Toby Huss? Uh, most recently he was in the Halloween uh, uh, franchise, the first episode of the first chapter. And also uh, on television, that's where we first pretty, pretty much found him, Halt Catch Fire. But he got recognition recently in his role in Cop Shop, which was, which was an mm. awesome performance. Right. He's like, yeah, he's yeah, kind of he, he's kind of a guy who could do everything. He, he, he probably started his career as a comedy. He was in a down periscope. Yes, that's right, down periscope. And yeah. he, you know, recently just done a lot of TV, a lot of movies. Character actor, it, mm-hmm. you know, he a lot of voice acting. A lot of voice acting. Here he plays uh, Marilyn Monroe's personal makeup artist, mm-hmm. and he has a couple of scenes here with with uh, Anna Anna yeah. De Armas, and I right. thought he was very good in the movie. And I would, I go. I wish I could just see this movie, this this relationship with his with her makeup artist, with Toby Huss, mm-hmm. and if I could just like maybe just if I could just zoom in, if I was able to zoom in and like see this part of her life, I think I would have really really enjoyed this movie. But uh, I don't know, Rich. Is there any one portion of the movie that stands out to you? <laughs> her miscarriage is her baby. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's the uh, the, the, the the, at one the point, only, the only scene <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> yeah, at one point, one of her. At one point, there's a there's a scene. This and this is a controversial scene that everyone mm-hmm. wants to point out. There's an image in her mind that she's talking to her aborted baby in a close up. The baby's asking, "Why did you give me away?" Or what? Yeah, why, you yeah, know. Yeah. And it's a lot of people have pointed this out as this is pro-abortion, mm. and I don't see that in this movie. I see it as more. I see this in, and I guess Andrew Dominic has come out and said, "No, that's not what I was trying to say. I'm not. This movie is not pro-abortion." To me, when I saw the movie, it was it really was trying to say it in in a kind of really bold and blunt way. He's, I think, he was trying to say this baby represents life and how how her life was sucked away, or maybe that's not the greatest choice of words, but how her life was wasted by Hollywood and by fame. I think that 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 was the point of that kind of sequence, but. Uh, I could see an argument that this might be exploitive. The, don't the, the biggest. <laughs> this is definitely the 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 biggest anti uh, John F. Kennedy. <laughs> the, well, he's a he's a sexual uh, uh, abuser in this movie. Well, I mean, this this has no good depiction of him whatsoever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. Yeah. I, I think those the, those scenes particularly is what drove that NC seventeen uh, rating. Yeah. And yeah. again, I think if 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 you're a fan of Marilyn Marilyn Monroe, you would have you would take great issue with this depiction. And you could basically do the same movie again with Anne, Anne Nicole Smith. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, I mean, it's oh a, yeah, yeah. And Nicole Smith would have probably been a better choice for this, right? Probably. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you guys see that uh, Nick Cave uh, said this is his favorite film of all time? Well, he he did the the, the I think he did the music also. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did he? Oh, okay. Well, he has. Yeah, Nick Cave has worked with Andrew Dominic a couple of times. I think uh, Dominic did a couple documentaries and music videos for him. Um, that's what I'm saying. There's there's stuff here to to um, to have some admiration admire. for, yeah. yeah, to admire. But it it's so cl- it's it's so blunt and so artsy. It, it's so it, there's it's so artsy. It's so blunt and so like I said, there's I don't think there's a deepness to this movie. And I think it basically is trying to say Hollywood is a bad place. Don't go there. <laughs> and I think it's this is not necessarily a deep kind of movie. I, I want to watch this movie. What's been constantly turning me off is just that runtime. Yeah, the runtime is, is tough. But, you know, I would say this. I had a harder time with Assassination of Jesse James, which was equally... Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, that was equally a three-hour movie. And I think I had a harder time watching that. This Really? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Rich, let me get your thoughts on Anna de Armas. Is she going to get an Oscar nomination for this? No, I don't think so. I don't think the movie was liked enough for her to get nominated for this. And and plus, it's a Netflix film, and Netflix has never been liked uh, liked upon by the um, the Oscar. I mean, mm-hmm. the uh, at least not yet. But yeah. I mean, how about this? Does she deserves an, a nomination? Um, it's hard to say because you know if she, if she if, if she does get nominated, I wouldn't be shocked. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, I was shocked how good she is. I thought I thought she. For what this what this part requires, I think she was perfect for it. I mean, in every scene, she has to cry, <laughs> and she mm-hmm. and she has to really be tortured, and at times really have to play put on a fake face as as you know Marilyn Monroe, Monroe you know, transitioning from Norma Jean to Marilyn Monroe, the, the the movie star. I think she does that very well. I think this is probably one of my my favorite performances of from her, uh, um, really, she really impressed me, uh, and I know she got a lot of shit before this movie came out about her accent. Mm-hmm. I don't think her accent played a part in this movie. I think she was perfectly, perfectly fine. Maybe comes out once in a while, but you don't really. No, I, once, I don't. Once I, you get into a movie, I mean, you're, you're supposed to yeah, put that aside. You 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 forget that this is Anna Darmus and this per- depiction of Marilyn Monroe comes out. And I will also say that this, she is not necessarily playing the Marilyn Monroe, the real person. She is playing the Marilyn Monroe sex symbol. And I think she does a, a terrific job doing that. And so I hope she gets an Oscar nomination. But I think you're right. I think the controversy surrounding this film will probably most likely dampen, dampen her chances to, of getting one. Um, Rich, do you recommend this movie? No, not to a, a, any uh, a, anyone not interested already. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I mean, this is not for this is not for everyone. No, this I is mean, a deliberately made as a divisive film. This is for a uniquely demographic, someone who likes maybe David Lynch movies and and, and strange art house films, and those are you know a very small demographic. If you're into Marilyn Monroe, the, the 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 life story of her, don't watch this movie. This will get you very angry. Uh, but and, if you're into some kind of weird, strange movie about the evils of Hollywood, 
maybe you would like this movie. And like you said, there's some really good performances by like Anna and also Julianne Nicholson. Uh, I thought she did pretty good. <laughs> she did, you know, much more than need, what was needed in this film. Mm-hmm. And she uh, plays she plays Marilyn Monroe's mother. Also, um, Toby Huss, like he, who you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And I think Toby is, has been um, ever since we lost uh, James Rehorn. I think he's picked most of his parts. I mean, like the go to uh, character actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, personally, I don't think I, this movie works for me. Uh, I think it. I was going to say this is like an artistic failure, but I think it, it succeeds in what it was trying to do. I think Andrew Dominic was trying to be this thought-provoking, this this uh, boundary-pushing type of film, and he succeeds in doing it. Uh, and I think he doesn't care if you don't like the movie. He, he He's perfectly fine with it. So uh, um, the movie succeeds in that way. But uh, for me, the movie is, because it's so long, and because it doesn't necessarily get any any deeper than Hollywood is bad, I say it's not a, a full recommendation. It's not a recommendation at all for me, but I can't help but be have some admiration for the movie, for the artistic side of it and the visuals and the way they are able to recreate some of the scenes. It's, it really is a beautiful looking movie. All right. So uh, Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night. Let's talk about it. This is just came out recently. Um Michael Giacchino. This was an hour-long special that came out recently on Disney Plus. It's a Marvel present, special presentation. It was the it's a feature film debut or or, or yeah, or, or Michael Giacchino. Yeah, I mean, uh, and who and who is Michael Giacchino? He's a world famous composer for that's been done a, bu- most, mu- a bunch of uh, uh, Disney Pixar uh, films and also uh, for J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Um, so he's a he's mostly known as a composer. He's now doing uh he's directing this. Uh this stars who who's the star? I forget. Um yeah, Gail Garcia Bernal. Yeah, so I guess the the the, the idea of this movie is a kind of a throwback to the 1940s monster movies of Universal. It it, it it's all shot in total black and white. There's a little touches of color in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh quickly, what's your thoughts? Uh let's start with Raymond. What's your thoughts on Werewolf by Night? Um, I thought it was just okay. I think for myself, it was kind of overhyped by the critics. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I really have anything like wrong with it or any nitpicks. It's just very average. Um, uh, but I mean, I, I guess to talk about positives, I, I really appreciate, um, I guess, uh, Marvel and Disney uh, taking, I guess, such a bold approach of making like kind of universal um, horror uh, 19 kind of 40s monsters inspired movie or short and especially putting it on Disney Plus because I mean even though it's, uh, it's in black and white I mean there is uh, a decent amount of blood in it but I think overall I was just kind of underwhelmed by it because mm-hmm. I think uh, I think it was overhyped but um, it, it's decent well I kind of understand why it was overhyped I mean I think people went into our critics went into this screening of this movie and really thought this was going to be nothing other than just a cash grab or something to, a content type of movie and it does have feel like it was done with a little bit of artistry with the yeah. attempt to make it look like a 1940s monster movie there is there is a nice attempt to to do something different than some of the things that we are getting from Marvel especially the the some of the TV shows were which feels you know like the same thing over and over again. This I I really like like this 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 short film. This is what sixteen minutes long, an hour long. 
Not even an hour, yeah. A little bit less than an hour. So it does it does a good job. I think it was perfect for Halloween. This comes out around Halloween. And I think it, it, it reminds me of some of those uh, Disney TV specials they used to do back in the 90s on ABC. You know, something special for, for the, for ki- you know, for families. But, you know, like, you, like Raymond was saying, it does have a lot of blood. I mean, you know, it's black and white, so you don't see the color red. But, but the, the, for for Disney Plus, it was still surprising, like the amount of blood that you see in this. Yeah, um, there's definitely killings in the movie. Like to the point <laughs> to the point that I was like, this should probably be on Hulu. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, but um, but that's maybe also my maybe maybe another problem I have with this thing because, I mean, why not just put it on Hulu then and go a little get a little bit more R rated with it because mm. um, this isn't really a horror short i mean this is really kind of like a an action this is kind of like blade style action if blade was done in the 1940s yeah 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 and i mean that's cool but i mean were, i mean critics really hyped this up as like this like cool really horror special and it's really more like i mean if you consider blade horror i guess but i think that's also part of what what um what disappointed me i went into this expecting a horror short because that's what critics that's what critics were saying it was and it's it's not a horror short it's 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 more action. I wouldn't almost even say it's like Resident Evil, but in the in the nineteen forties, nineteen forties Universal horror movie style. And um, but but it, it's decent enough. I didn't hate it or anything. It, it's okay. Uh, Rich, what's your thoughts on Werewolf by Night? I thought it was okay. I mean, uh, um, uh, I thought for Michael Giacchino, I thought he did a pretty, pretty decent job directing. Um, but uh, but I appreciate Marvel doing something different on Disney Plus. And this is a uh, what, what the first of their special presentations. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure the 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 new Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holiday special we get the, we'll get this also, oh, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. it'll probably be around the same time. Um, and and I'm I'm hoping there's more of them to come. And I I appreciate the one shots they're they're creating much more well, than much more than the, this bullshit She-Hulk series. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. Let me ask both of you a question really quick though. Would would you guys want to see both of these characters like in the actual like Marvel movies? Like, would you want them to pop up in Blade now that it's being delayed and rewritten? Only if they could, they're able to put Blade in his own kind of corner of the universe. No. Well, would you would you eventually want to like see like some type of dark monster side team up like with Moon Knight and uh, with Moon Knight, I guess, and uh, the werewolf and Man Thing and um, Blade? Maybe Ghost Rider or something like that. Like all the, because I think I think that's a certain that's oh. a, a certain side of Marvel. Like the only if Moon Knight and Ghost Rider could live in this type of world, right? I mean, what do you mean this type of world? Like well, this 1940s kind of, style. Well, I mean, I, it, 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 it's shot in a 1940s type of monster movie way, but but it, it's actually taking place in the modern day. Yeah, and I think if if it's kind of in this like world where horror is the over Overwhelming theme or idea, mm. then I I, I approve uh, definitely. Then, then the thing, then the thing that's going to always get in the way is Disney. <laughs> yes, that's that's why I mean, if there's somehow they could like split this into its own chapter in in MCU or Hulu. Yeah, yeah. Or even if they make it like films, you know, like a you know Marvel horror universe or whatever, and just have the horror movies uh, crossover with Deadpool since that's rated R and it's own yeah. little yeah, but little I, section. I don't know if they're even thinking that way. I think they they're might not. be thinking like I'm going to put some of these characters in, you know, the next Doctor Strange film or something like that. You know, like 
Like, I don't know. I, I really don't know what they were there. You know, this, this really seems like a once in a lifetime or a, a, kind of like a rare kind of uh, film to come out. And it kind of sneaked into the cracks. And I don't know if they're going to, I'm not sure if the guardians of the galaxy is going to be any good, you know, who knows? Um, I think it will, but uh, let me, let me ask you guys one more question really quick. So uh, they have said, or they have teased that we will be seeing a, a return of these characters in, in future Marvel products. Mm-hmm. If we do see a return of uh, Gael uh, Garcia Bernal's um, the werewolf, will it still be practical? <laughs> Cause I mean, he'll look pretty silly. Like having that werewolf. <laughs> yeah. That was one of Hulk. that. No, that, that, that was one of my, uh, um, problems problems with this well movie. it worked for what it was but once you put it in like you know next to the avengers that might be kind of weird no i didn't i didn't like his face i didn't like his uh uh the uh the the, the, the makeup, old school the, the, makeup. the werewolf makeup yeah. a little was, too much I like was, cats i was underwhelmed by it it looked a little bit like cats the uh, broadway play <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um the poster the poster looks better yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, the, the silhouette, the side portrait, whatever. But yeah. his, when you see his full-on face, I was going, "Oh, what is this?" But for um, for Disney Plus, uh, I think this was just a. It's not a horror film. It's not a. It's, this is, there's nothing really horror in this. There's no, no real horror in this. It's very it's safe. Like horror. It's Disney Plus horror. But I would almost go as far to say this is kind of like um, uh, borderline, like R-rated action borderline maybe not maybe not borderline yeah. uh but hard pg-13 action yeah pg-13 yeah hard yeah. pg-13 well i mean yeah because uh they're actual humans or whatever uh, getting killed or ripped apart but um getting back to the storyline um i thought it was uh like similar to uh game of thrones house of dragon um the uh the passing of a king or whatever i don't know it looked like a werewolf i mean uh, uh sorry a uh, dracula to me passing on uh, his so-called bloodstone and uh and it looks like a bunch of like vampire hunters or whatever or or, or are being Monster assembled hunters. uh are being assembled to uh take the 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 place as a king or whatever or or um his daughter would rather be the queen uh elsa bloodstone played by uh, laura donnelly who i thought she was pretty good in it I, um she's mm-hmm. uh we saw her most recently in the hbo series the nevers mm-hmm and she's a star of that and uh um I-, I thought she did a decent job now gail garcia bernal i'm sorry but he's short <laughs> and and there's some shots of him um uh you need to when you when you're working with you know with tom cruise and uh, everyone you know with, sh- with short statures you gotta shoot it a different way and uh there were some shots that should have been uh the camera should have been uh let's just say lower <laughs> and um uh, because he, he's not that short. He's only, uh, according to this thing, he's five seven. But um, he's got that frame. That's he looks. He, he looks like a kid. He looks like a kid yeah, with yeah, the yeah. wide. If you go wide, it looks, yeah, it's like a, exactly. Like a, yeah. And um, and, um, when when you're when you're working with the um, you know, you got you got to know how to the, to shoot, and that's one. So one you're saying thing they should recast him? Well, uh, no, I mean you got to know who, the 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 cameraman ha- needs to know how to shoot the guy. That's all I'm saying. Because I mean he, he's not the shortest guy. I mean, he's not Elijah Wood and stuff like that. But still, <laughs> it's not Kevin Hart. Yeah, but um, if if he's supposed to be a superhero, we got to make him look super. Well, that's the thing I liked about the movie or the the this special this hour special. I mean, I, I like the fact that these are not necessarily superhero movie characters. 
Right. You know, this mm-hmm. is feels like more like these are cursed people. You know, he's cursed by the werewolf. Uh, and the, the woman, Elsa Bloodstone, she is, you know, has this kind of curse of like trying to continue the family tradition of being a monster monster hunter. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it too. I think this is a like like I said, this is perfect for Halloween season. Mm-hmm. I think it was a fun uh, uh, little thing that they put out, and I I'd rather see this type of specials than say full eight or twelve episodes seasons of whatever character they're they're promoting next, you know, or pushing next. Um, this I think this was perfect for 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 Werewolf by Night, which is you know a lower known a lesser known character in the marvel cinematic universe yeah like um I, like i said I, I i appreciate this one shot for for a, a character they weren't 100 percent um certain of to give it a full season mm-hmm. just like she hulk i think if she hulk would have been one one episode it would have been fine yeah yeah exactly i mean it, it was when i was watching werewolf by night i'm going wow this would have been this is perfect, and if this was made into a series, they would have used the same storyline, but cut it up in eight episodes, and it would be just too thin of a plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raymond, you you would you would recommend this overall? Yeah, I mean, especially if you have Disney Plus. But um, I mean, don't don't go in uh, expecting like a, a horror short. It's it's kind of like a Blade style, Blade done in the nineteen forties style, and um. Uh, for for the for the minimum budget they had because I don't know what this cost when you could it feels it feels pretty low budget uh, they did a solid job or well speaking of horror movies let's talk about a recent horror movie a horror remake that's available now on Hulu it's Hellraiser and uh, this is directed by David Bruckner who's uh, recently just did uh, the the Night House which a lot of people like that movie uh, I haven't seen it. But it was Same. one of the kind of uh, cult films that came out during the pandemic with that that starred uh, Rebecca Hall, and that uh, got good reviews. And so he's he's here. He uh, David Bruck, Bruckner is here with with. I guess you could you, you would call this a reboot or a remake or how would you describe this? Yeah, a reboot because it's a reboot. It was yeah. a dead series. All right, so let's get into it. Um, Rich, who was the the main actress in this one? Odessa. Oh, um, Riley, played by Odessa Ozion. Odessa Ozion, who is Zion. better known as the the daughter of Pamela Adlon, and she's the one who plays what was her character's name? Riley. 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 Yeah. So let's get into it, uh, Rich. What's your thoughts on uh, Hellraiser? It looked good. I thought the uh, the direction, um, some of it, um, uh, some of, <coughs> some of the creativity even was appreciated, uh, but. Just like Werewolf by Night, it's it's just not scary. Mm-hmm. It's the 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 so called um, new Cenobites, uh, whatever creators, uh, the created the, the 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 new creations. They looked like they were you know straight out of like I don't know. It, it they didn't look scary to me. They look like they're more like uh, fashion uh, divas and stuff like that. So they're they're more like you know like well if, but, if, well really quick really quick sorry for interrupting but I mean. They, they arguably looked worse than the other in the originals. Mm, but I think the originals was scary. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, these ones. I, look, no, they, I do, I do, I do agree with that. I, I'm just, I'm just saying really quick. I, I think because I, I just rewatched like Hellraiser like uh, two and three the other day, uh-huh. and um, like the, the Cenobites, they, they, they just, 
I mean, they, they don't hold up, I think. Okay. Um, but I do think the movie, the movie, I do like the classic Hellraisers more than this movie, more specifically because there's, because uh, they were done in that, they're like the late 1980s horror movies, and there was a specific kind of style to them, the way they were made, that was just very kind of weird. <laughs> and this movie feels very safe. Mm, this yeah. movie feels very safe and very kind of like a, kind of a traditional horror film that you would get today and i think that's maybe part of the problem richard has with it that it's just not scary it's not it feels like any other horror film that you would get today but uh really quick i'd argue that the second half of this film is really really fantastic and it really kind of starts to really capture the spirit in a more mainstream way but it starts to capture the spirit of hellraiser in the second half Unfortunately, uh, the first half is pretty rough because the characters, all the characters, are pretty unlikable. And even once they start to get kind of redeeming in the storyline, it's like way, way too late in the movie. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That the characters themselves, they all suck. They they deserve to die. Everybody deserves that. Well, I, I mean, there's no, there's no, there's yeah, no one you're rooting for. Yeah, and I think that's the the thing about horror movies, especially in movies that came out in the '80s and '90s, that the, the those main characters, you know, kids characters or teenage characters or the college age characters, mm -hmm. most of them feel like the same person. And that's what I think this was trying to go back. To, this is a throwback to that, right? So there, but the 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 problem I have, and show, sure, they all suck, or they there's no really great character development in this movie. They all kind of are, are paint by numbers type of characters. They're stock, mm -hmm. you know, they could be like the background characters in a video game. But but the thing is like, I think the movie would have probably just been better if they just trimmed a lot of that stuff in, in the in the first half of the movie. Like a lot of the stuff with, with those characters, we didn't need it in my opinion. Yeah, we spent I, way too much character yeah. with them. I, I think you're- It was two hours. I, I think you're right. I, I think you're right. I think uh, uh Either you 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 cut those character you cut those like kind of small moments in the beginning of the film, or you add more characters because if you add more characters, then you get more deaths. And that, I think that's the problem with the movie that I have. That it really only maybe two or three people really die in the movie. You know, a lot of people kind of there's survive. a few. Yeah, and really, few. and, and, and the like only reason five. Yeah, the only reason it's only few there's only few deaths in the movie is because there's really only a couple of you know five four characters in the group for you know like uh uh. So, and half of them, like, really, you know, we don't get to see their deaths until, you know, you know, throughout the movie. And so, and I agree with you, Raymond. I think the, the second half is much better than the first because the second half is really, is when you really get Cenobites. And the, I, I like the, the design of the, Cenobi the Cenobites and the way they look and the way they kind of look like a Marilyn Manson yeah. video game <laughs> or a right. music video uh -huh. matter. Uh, yeah. But, but I, and so I do like it and, and, you know. So, but I, I, at, that, at that point, I was already bored about the movie, and it, it didn't really I, I work agree. for me. You know, I agree. I, I gotta admit, I, I, I watched this movie. Uh, I watched this movie once, and I was very mixed on it. And now I watched it again a second time, and it was the second time where I really appreciated it more. But like that first time, it was really, really rough to get through because the first half is really slow and not great, and it's just very familiar to other horror movies. And also, again, like I was saying earlier, the original, uh, especially specifically the first two Hellraiser films, and I don't even really like Hellraiser 2 all that much, but the first two Hellraiser films, like they really were extremely uniquely, like, you know, when you watch like a 1980s horror film, like a From from Beyond or something like that, or, you know, or like, what, what was the movie we, we, we reviewed, like, uh, like, like Basket Case, like, you know, those like weird ass like horror films, like I would put like Hellraiser in that, in that, in those categories and. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, you the, know, I, the original. I, this is yeah. Th this is not that. You know what I mean? Right. This is very mainstream. This is very safe. It's very like familiar to other horror films that we get in theaters. 
Yeah, I agree. I think the original was so such radical. It was such a radical idea. Clive Barker was never necessarily a mainstream horror guy. He was always someone in the corner. And he directed the movie. Yeah, yeah. And so he was always a guy who, uh, kind of like a David Cronenberg, always played with the sexual element of horror. And mm-hmm. this is this has none of that in this movie. This uh, this is kind of just like we're saying straightforward uh, type of stuff. That that's not nothing necessarily new. Well, I don't know. I think there was a little bit, like, uh, like, uh, I guess avoiding spoilers, but I, I think there was a little bit uh, with with the with the Voight character. He's the guy that's the, in the in the opening of the movie that's leading the teenager to play with oh, puzzle Gorn, box. Gorn Visioning. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the only guy I was rooting for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think they, I think there was a little bit with that with him, like you know, like, with what they do with his character. Oh, with the, the uh, adding a little bit of history to to the Cenobites you're talking about, like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think there was an attempt to like expand some of the things in in this kind of uh, franchise. Uh, also, really quickly, well, just because it just popped up in mind, I I love how this movie. Uh, I think they did a much better job of like explaining how the puzzle box works and okay. explaining how uh, just just the rules of like you know. Like if you if if, if you like they, in the in the in the in the movie they had like this little knife or thing that pops out of the box yeah and right, then right. it will cut you and you're kind of like marked and in the original movies people would just kind of play like a box and then you would never really necessarily know what would happen sometimes you'd get killed sometimes you'd be like taken into like those portals of hell it was there the rules seemed to have made no sense like mm-hmm. it seemed like they were kind of just making them up and um it wasn't super clear on here it's like everything just made sense like instantly yeah, I, I I agree that that was interesting with the puzzle box. Now, I, full disclosure, I never saw any of the original Hellraisers. Yeah, I knew they, but I knew the 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 original Pinhead looked looked scary to me. <laughs> so yeah, I did do I do like that the that there was at least an idea of the puzzle box. I do like the idea that like if you get to the final stage or the final you know uh, puzzle, that somehow you could get to talk to God. I think that that was an interesting idea. And but they never really do anything with that. I mean, the main character here is a recovering drug addict, or maybe not recovering, just a drug drug addict. And I, I thought maybe for sure this girl Riley, the, this Riley character, would want to have, you know, want to have like kind of will want to talk to God for some reason too, like maybe because she is hurting and she, you know, we never really get to the source of why she's a drug addict, um, and maybe. Like and we still do, spend so much time with her character. Yeah, there's no character development whatsoever between these two, between the group, the group of of friends in, in this film. But I would argue that 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 some of these characters do kind of grow by the end of the film, and I mean just grow by the fact that you know, uh, her character is extremely selfish throughout the whole entire movie, and then by the end of it, she's she's not really selfish. She's kind of like she's trying oh. to save everyone. I don't. I didn't get that. <laughs> At that point, I was really checked out. I checked out oh, okay. the movie, so I didn't. I, maybe you're right. I didn't really get that. Get that. I think it was really more of survival. Uh, also, I, I no, I because she tried to save the uh, her and um, because uh, because I remember because in, in in the movie uh, she has a brother and her, uh, her brother's uh, gay and has a boyfriend. And I remember mm-hmm. her boyfriend in the movie. I thought was like such a lame stock character. Yeah. But as the, as the movie went on, like I thought he was like he was the only character I was kind of rooting for to survive. Mm-hmm. And um. And um, and she she her character was always going out of her. Riley was always kind of going out of her way to try to protect them. 
in the, in the, in the end of the movie at least. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but like I yeah, like, like I said, I, I kind of checked out uh, by by the <laughs> end of the movie. Uh, well, it's it's because and the second half I really in, enjoyed the movie a lot. Uh, on my second viewing, I enjoyed the second half of this movie a lot more because it just. Um, I think I think if you just kind of like fast forward the first hour of the movie and you get straight to the Hellraiser stuff, it's it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they would have cut like the first hour, I think uh, I would agree. And because I, I do, I do like David Bruckner's uh, direction in this. You know, he's not a typical flashy director, particularly when he when when dealing with horror. He is someone who's more kind of uh, static with his choices. He he likes to. He, it seems like he he really works on the framing of the of the camera. You know, if he had something to do with the design of the Cenobites, I do like the this, this new design. It looked kind of weird. It kind of looked freaky. Let me ask you this: Do you think this is going to spark a new franchise reboot? Or you know, th- is there going to be multiple remakes or or not remakes but sequels I, I, to this? I, I would like to see another installment. Because um, it's getting pretty good buzz from critics, and I guess fans do like the movie. Not as much as Prey. Well, sure, but I, I mean, liked it. I liked it as much as Prey, personally. Oh, um, wow! It's just I think this movie takes bigger risks, and also like, but I give both movies like extra points because I think they're both good installments in the in dead franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, I think they're both getting like maybe a little extra praise from certain people because of that specific reason. Because I mean, the Hellraiser. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie, man. The only good Hellraiser movie is the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's the only good one. And um, this is like easily this the best since the original. And I mean, hats off to uh, David Bruckner for that. I mean, well, it could have been better. It like, could have been better. But yeah, I'm saying if uh, like for me, I mean, if you never seen a Hellraiser and you watch this Hellraiser, you won't be a fan. I mean, you're not gonna, you're not, uh, you're not gonna be an. I think I do. I do think if you probably, if you're not a fan, a fan of Predator, and you watch Prey, Prey would make you a fan. But let, let's, I don't know about that. But let's but, let, um, let's be honest, Rich. If you saw the original Hellraiser, you probably wouldn't like that either. Yeah, that's possible too. But I heard that's <laughs> the best. <laughs> so, but you know, it is kind of like very kind of like for a video drum audience. Oh, okay. Very, very I mean, it's, it's, Cl- it's Clive Barker. Clive Barker was never a yeah. mainstream horror guy, like, like at least compared well, to like Stephen to, King. You were just comparing him to Cronenberg a minute ago, right? I mean, that's kind of like Hellraiser's like. It's like Cronenberg mixed with a slasher in a way. But I think it's like Cronenberg mixed Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, let me ask you this about this new Pinhead, who is uh, now a played by a trans woman. Uh, uh, I didn't even know she was trans. Ja- yeah, Jamie but, uh, Clayton. I thought she was fantastic. Honestly, I, I think she's great. Um, I think she's a perfect successor to uh, uh, Doug Bradley. Yeah, I like that they went with this direction because, uh, uh, you know, Doug Bradley. And, and let me say, I did not think I was going to like it. Like, mm. I was like, oh, man, I don't know. If, I don't care that she's female, but she's so tiny and stuff. I'm like, I, I don't know if this is going to work. But while watching the movie, I mean, it, it was really effective. And I love the voice she was doing. I think Rich said he didn't like it, but it worked for me. I, I like that they went with this direction. I, I guess they said in the book it was more androgynous. Pinhead was nece- not necessarily a male character. Doug Bradley is such an iconic uh, actor for, or, you know, he's known for being Pinhead. I like they went with a different direction because it, no one beats Doug uh, Bradley. It's, I think really where, where they run, went wrong was with, with, the, with, the, with the human characters. Yeah. With the, with the main group. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's why I can't recommend it because I, I did ultimately just felt bored with the movie. All right. So, uh, Raymond, did you uh, would you recommend Hellraiser, this new one? I think I would. Um, but 
Yeah, I think you have to be because I mean this is gonna be a divisive movie. I think um, I mean it doesn't even have a a great like Ron Tomato score. I think that's like sixty percent. But for the Hellraiser franchise, that's pretty good. <laughs> but um, I think you really have to either be like a, a big horror fan or you have to be a big Hellraiser fan uh, because, I mean, the characters in this movie are, are rough. You have, you, have to, you have to spend a lot of time with them. That's why I really feel like if they trimmed down 30 minutes from that first half hour, that this could have been really, really good. But, I mean, for myself, this movie's unfortunately kind of just like um. C plus B minus territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been better if they did more character development. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, let's get to another horror franchise. Halloween ends. This is the final chapter in this trilogy from uh, director David Gordon Green. This is supposed to be the end of the Laurie Strode and Mike Myers saga. Uh. Jamie Lee Not Curtis, the Austin Powers, Mike Myers, <laughs> or yeah, Michael. I should, yeah, I should say Michael Myers, and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is back again for a third time, and she's just their final confrontation with Michael Myers. Um, we should say that you know this is available on Peacock. Uh, it's also in theaters right as we speak. We just saw it. Rich, what's your what's your thoughts? And uh, we should also say that we're not really big fans of the of the last uh, chapter, Halloween Kills. We had big problems with that movie, but but also uh, at least for my for, for my for me, um, my main problem with the last one, you know, besides the mob stuff, um, was that it was came after such a great movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if if if, Hel- if Halloween Kills came after um, like the Rob Zombies Halloween Two or even <laughs> like Halloween Resurrections, I don't think I would have hated it as much. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it came after such a great installment in the franchise, it really it really kind of stained, you know what I mean? Because I felt like they kind of messed up something that was that they were building. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think uh, the 2018 Halloween uh, reboot or whatever you want to call that uh, did a, it, it did enough to to entice a, a certain interest from me about the Laurie Strode character. And yet, with kills, they kind of uh, moved away from Laurie Strode. And went to this whole citywide uh, look of the of the of the personal lives of of each person that lives in uh, Haddonfield. So I thought for sure in this new one in, in Halloween ends, I thought that for sure they were going to fo- refocus the attention back to Laurie Strode. And unfortunately, that's not the case. But uh, maybe that works for some of you, uh, Raymond. Let's get your thoughts on Halloween ends. Um, yeah. I- I surprisingly uh, uh, enjoyed the movie. I mean, I went into it with very, very low expectations, and um, I've been reading about the movie um, for a long time. So they introduced a new character in this film of uh, Corey Cunningham, and um, basically the opening scene of the film, uh, just talk about the opening scene? Sure. Okay, opening scene of the film, uh, he's uh, babysitting a child on Halloween night, and uh, the little boy plays a prank on him, locks him in the in the, in the a, closet or basement something like that look like uh, an he, attic or something an attic yeah he, he, he then he uh as the family's showing up uh he he breaks out of the closet and he pushes uh, when he breaks it out he pushes the door so hard that the boy falls off the stairs and this is like a really really tall building it looked like it was like maybe eight stories or something because <laughs> the stairs just kept going and going yeah, and going three, three so stories. the little boy falls out and he he falls to his death and uh that's the opening of the film and uh, through, throughout the whole movie, uh, this kid uh, is being uh, 
basically looked at as a, as a killer. And I think really kind of the purpose of this movie is to say that uh, society turns people, uh, can turn someone into a serial killer, into, into a psychopath. But I, and and that, that kind of, uh, that stuck with me. I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought there was some kind of weight to that. Unfortunately, I do think the execution, and spe- specifically in the screenplay, was a bit muddled, especially in the middle. And um, some of the choices that they do in this movie uh, did, did not work with me. Did I reveal too much? I don't know. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> That's right. fine. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I think uh, the, the, there's something that they're trying to say here with about the chicken or egg c- scenario. Like, what comes first? Uh, the, uh, are you born to be evil or, or are you nurtured in, in evilness or are you infected by evil and that turns you into an evil person? I think that's what they were trying to say with the movie, uh, mm-hmm. but I didn't. Care. I didn't want that. I wanted to know about uh, Lori Strode. I wanted to have, this was promoted as her final confrontation with right. Mike Myers or Michael Myers, <laughs> and, and I and I guess we do get that in the final act. But uh, I we she is such a different person in this movie that it doesn't feel. Uh, yeah, they try to excuse it by saying that there's like a four-year four-year jump right. um, in the beginning of the movie. But yeah, I'm with you. It is a drastic change. It is kind of crazy because in, in, in the end of the last film, uh, her her daughter dies. Right. And um and and then in the beginning of this movie, she's like, she's over it. She's moved on, and it's like that doesn't feel like Lori. But yeah, and she's now taking care of her taking care of her granddaughter. And I do like the granddaughter. I think the 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 who who's the actress? Andy Andy Manichak. She is doing a good job. I mean, I don't know who. I, I, this is really my first time really seeing her, and you know, she's she was in the last uh, film too, and she has a bigger part in this film. Uh, again, I don't know if I really cared about her character, even though that she's doing a good job. Now, if this was like say Halloween Four, you know, the legacy continues this movie would be fine with me. You know, let's, you know, let's explore these new characters. But I really thought that this movie was going to go back and refocus to Laurie Strode and really find out that, you know, mm. that she's I doing understand. something. Yeah. You're, she's barely in the movie. Uh, barely in the movie. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard some people say that this is like a Laurie Strode's movie and Corey's movie, but I, I disagree with that. I'd say this is actually, um, uh, uh, Allison, uh, the, the the daughters or the granddaughters movie more than it is uh, Laurie Strode's. Yeah, it's but, really um, the, the the first hour is really Laurie and Corey, and the, you know they 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 meet and they have this kind of relationship. Allison. Oh yes, Allison. I mean yes, Allison. Yes, yeah. The really the first half of the movie is Allison and and Corey, and they have this kind of romantic relationship. But the stuff with Jamie Lee Curtis in the movie is great. It's just that. Um, and you know what? I think the problem is I don't think they really had enough for her final confrontation. Her final confrontation would should have just been in Halloween Kills because this would this could have this Corey Cunningham could have just been its own movie because uh, Halloween Kills didn't even feel like a complete movie to begin with. I, I, they should have just tried to include some of the Jamie uh, all the Jamie stuff that they did here over in there because uh, because what, what, what Jamie Jamie with the role Jamie uh, the the Laurie, the role Laurie Strode serves in this movie. Could it didn't have to be Jamie Lee Curtis. It didn't have to be Laurie Strode. It could have been like a neighbor, or because all she basically does is like introduce her daughter to, right. to Corey. And, right, right. I mean, she, there's no development of the Laurie Strode character at all. And for some reason, some people are like trying to blame her for like. Some people are like trying to blame her for, like people are mad at her, for for in, in, enticing or, or, or sparking a fight with Michael Myers or something like that. 
and yeah, they're like, she's... they're like, he's like, he was a mentally challenged man. What's wrong with you? It's like, <laughs> I was like, well, did you guys, this is, did you guys see Halloween Kills? I mean, <laughs> you guys were the mob, right? <laughs> yeah, there was so justice stuff. There is so strange things that happened in this movie that doesn't necessarily. Yeah, I think that's the problem I have with the movie. The the, the continuity continuity doesn't feel right. It like. <laughs> Each film is like Star Wars it, continuity. It's it, yeah, it's Star Wars continuity. It really each film feels different than each other film, and it doesn't feel like they're connecting all three movies. It feels like uh, David Gordon, Gordon Green had an idea for the the first Halloween movie that he did yeah. in 2018, and then he has a totally different idea for Halloween Kills, and and with this one, a totally different approach and and and. Uh, Direction that, that he went it reminds me of it reminds me of the classic Halloween sequels and the the, the Friday the Thirteenth sequels like how the, the 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 Tommy Jarvis trilogy and um and Friday the Thirteenth how they set up um they set up a storyline in like the end of uh final the thirteenth the final chapter and then in the next one they completely like retcon it and they're like uh, Tommy Jarvis is like resurrecting Jason and stuff it's like what what happened here you guys were setting up a completely different storyline in the previous film <laughs> yeah. and that's good that, that come on this is this is this is uh this is this is a horror sequel, true and true horror sequel. <laughs> uh Rich, what's your thoughts on Halloween ends? Um let me first go back to the yeah, the Halloween, the first chapter. Uh, I enjoyed Halloween Kills. I enjoyed the first uh half of the film, and the second half went off the rails with the, the mob scene mentality mm-hmm. and uh um but with Halloween Kills I really thought that the film was probably affected by the pandemic or whatever. I'm not, I'm not sure if it was finished or whatever, or or it, there was filming during. I think they were filming during the pandemic, and I don't know how much that affected it. I, I, that's that's what I. So I gave it the, uh, you know, the, the I gave it a um, what do you call it? A benefit of the doubt uh, that 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 movie was tarnished mm-hmm. uh, by the pandemic, and but Halloween ends. This is just a straight up tragedy. <laughs> uh, this this one has no excuse whatsoever for uh, any uh, you know problems because this script was just horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what kind of direction they thought they were going for this. Uh, this is this should have been this should have been a a great final chapter for Jamie Lee Curtis, and it's definitely not. Um, I I thought I I could have swore I saw at least four names in the um uh, yeah for part. the credits in in the uh, uh during the film the writing for, for, for writing writing credits. yeah and uh, on imdb um they're, they're obviously too ashamed to test no they are actually oh, okay here they are yeah brad uh paul brad logan chris barrier um danny mcbride and david gordon green shame on you <laughs> <laughs> this movie is horrible um uh the uh this whole creation with this new character, Corey Cunningham, yeah, fine, yeah, the, uh, this, no, 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 no. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it, that that that's a whole setup for another kind of movie, like you said. Mm-hmm. And um, they should have focused more on. Um, they should have just focused on Mike, uh, Michael Myers. I mean, why was this postponed four years in the movie? I mean, there that makes no sense too. I mean. In the first chapter, Jamie Lee Curtis' character, Laurie Strode, waited 40 years to be to rebuttal, um, to have a rebuttal with Michael Myers, supposedly, because the, the other chapters, whatever, the Halloween films, whatever, right. never existed. Right. So she waited 40 years to confront Michael Myers, and and 
from you know, from what 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 should have happened was that she killed him at the end. But of course, now we got the kills, and now ends. Now, uh, obviously, um, what? But I still don't understand why they just why they waited four years and why did they made Laurie Strode make a complete one eighty with her character from being a total badass mm -hmm. to, from from the first chapter, and then second chapter. Yeah, she laid on on, on she's 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 near death throughout the through, uh, through the second chapter was what's which was she, another she horrible was, situation. Yeah, for she her. was barely well, I mean, the, the, yeah. The real answer kills. the real answer to it the real answer to it is that um it is the pandemic because I think they were the original plan was they were supposed to shoot these movies back to back. Um, yeah, Halloween the, kills and Halloween ends. But the and script, then um the, the, that that's no I know I know because of the pandemic he completely uh, David Gordon Green completely rewrote the script. Well, that's that's so, another thing. The pandemic put everything on halt. You, they 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 have no excuse because uh, everyone should have started writing. They had at least at the very least six months of not working whatsoever on any sets. Take that time and write your piece of shit. Well, they well, they, like, they obviously didn't. They wrote piece of shit. That's what they did, <laughs> and they they decided to go for it. And um, and uh, and uh, it's just it's just it's 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 goddamn horrible and, and uh, i don't know if david gordon green started um started doing his uh um, other show righteous gemstones oh. and then and then probably focusing more on exorcist you know uh i i, I this that has no this this in this movie has no excuse this i just feel so sorry for jamie lee curtis and her fans that were, um, but you know, just like Raymond, uh, their fans are delusional. <laughs> the, the, this film is no. I mean, I, 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 there's a lot of uh, Halloween movies I don't like. It's just I, I think this movie tries to do some stuff that's really kind of interesting and stuff. I don't think they necessarily executed all executed well. Mm -hmm. I think the movie has a lot of problems, but I just I, I appreciate the bold swings and. I, a lot of the ideas in this movie, like we've seen in other horror sequels, and I've seen them in other horror sequels done much worse. So I kind of appreciated um, at least uh, being done as well as it's done here. It's just I, I just wish the script had been better. But. Yeah, the only person who, the only other person who got a more raw deal to the Jamie Lee was Will Patton <laughs> as Deputy Frank Hawkins, who yeah. who was. Uh, he, this is a new character, right? This time, yeah, old. and he, his character was set up. For something much bigger in the second in the second chapter, what the the right. showing it, his original. Or, he has a yeah yeah, they, yeah they went to a flashback and for no reason whatsoever. Now right, the, right. this this thing was, had nothing. Oh yeah, well there probably shit. was. I mean there probably was in the original draft. I'm very curious to know what the original screenplay, what the original idea for this movie was supposed to be. Because I mean, they're, they're, I mean because because I mean Halloween kills. I mean I think we all agree feels like a like a like a middle chapter. Like it didn't didn't feel like a complete movie. Like it always felt like this movie was going to be like, you know the the the, the second part of Halloween kills. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It felt like they were A and B, and um, and I think the fact that he just completely rewrote that David Gordon Green completely rewrote the movie last minute. Um, I mean I I think it shows in the screenplay. <laughs> I think all the problems with the movie are are, are that, but I, I am very curious what the original idea was for this film. And I think you definitely want, while watching Halloween ends, you feel there this was chopped up, or if you feel you feel like there were different moments. You know, this movie, this this particular scene must have been from the original script, and this particular scene must have been a, an addition. 
uh, you, there's an unevenness to just watching this movie. Uh, and, um, sure. And also, I I think Halloween fans are probably going to be the ones that are the most angry with this movie, to be honest. Like Halloween Kills was, uh, was, I, I had problems with the movie, but it was just like, you know, a straightforward slasher. And I mean, the horror fan has, the horror community has really embraced that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to embrace this movie. I just really, I, I appreciate the bold swings it took. It's almost like a Last Jedi situation for me. <laughs> yes. I appreciate some of the stuff they tried to do, even though they didn't fully pull it off. I appreciate just the attempt of it. But, um, I don't. I, mean, I don't think horror fans are going to like this. I think yeah, it's going to be because, like you know the way Last Jedi fans reacted to Last Jedi. Like this is an insult to the franchise, and I and I, I can't argue with that because I think it is. But I still appreciate the swing, and I think uh, uh, insulting the franchise, uh, disrespecting the franchise. That's uh, that's kind of tradition with the Halloween franchise and with horror franchises in general with horror sequels. So I'm just kind of used to it in many ways. It's it, this 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 film is totally. Weird. I mean from from. Laurie Strode going uh, complete 180 to being a, 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 a total badass to a total, you know, you know, pushover. Domestic. Well, she's she's more domestic now. She's trying Whatever. to be the, 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 the. And then she's again, trying to live a normal life. And then then again, look at Michael Myers. He was the same way. I mean, that also made that also made no sense because of the ending of Halloween Kills. Was yeah. this build up saying Michael Myers? If um if the ending of Halloween Kills, you know, if if he didn't become like supernatural Michael at the end of Halloween Kills. I think I would have been able to accept that that uh, that sewer stuff because he is like a really really old man. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Halloween Kills ended with him being all supernatural and being unstoppable, yeah, really, uh, it's it's um, In- inconsistent. It's, um, yeah, it's inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's the the problem I have with the movie is like um, I had problems with with Halloween Kills and how it was really kind of stuck on this idea that, you know, mob justice, we have to take, you know, uh, evil affects people in a ways that they, they turn in, they turn into mobs and they go crazy and they, they become psychopaths. And, de- and then the problem with that is that it's, it's, a, it's an interesting idea, but it is not, you know, with Halloween kills, it is not done in a way that's nuanced. It's very mm-hmm. heavy handed. And it's, and it's, it's very poorly written. The, the dialogue yeah. is horrible. Horrendous in this movie. The dialogue, the dialogue might be even worse than Halloween Kills. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what that's what's even sadder. Well, I mean, he wrote it last minute. And I think David Gordon Green is doing here. He's just doubling down on that idea. Evil infects people, and it it turns people into crazy psychopaths. Uh, they're they're turning on each other. The the the, the town is turning on each other. Uh, Lori Strode is not a hero anymore. She is the uh, reason why uh, Mike, My- Michael Myers lives or has, you know, he c- continues to spread evil. So I, it, it's, it's, there's no kind of deeper ideas. I mean, I think they do a better job in this movie than they say Halloween kills because with, with the, with the, 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 the Corey character, I, but it's such a, it still is only half of the movie. They don't really follow through. Even though I, I really like, what they were doing with the Corey, the Corey character, and I like the the story. The way they ended it was like, what was even the point? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So um, I mean, I I mean, I don't get me wrong. I have a lot of problems with this movie, but um, I don't know. There's stuff about it that I I really admire, um, especially what they were trying to do, what they were trying to say. But um, look, check it out. I saw I saw an interview with David Gordon Green recently. He was promoting uh, Halloween Ends, 
And I think everything wrong with this movie, you can definitely point to that interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was basically saying that when he wrote this movie, uh, he was very kind of inspired by uh, the stuff he was seeing in the news. And he says when he when he tells a story, when he makes a film, he has to be uh, kind of writing from a real place. He has to be writing about you know what 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 he's feeling in that moment. And I think that's him. That's his indie sensibilities coming in. And I think that's probably the stuff that I find interesting about the movie. But he's also forcing it into a movie that none of that stuff really belongs. In. Yeah, yeah. I think the first hour of this movie really feels like a David Gordon Green type of movie. Where you see Corey, the, this new character, trying to have a normal life, yet mm-hmm. he is, uh, is you know, he's a kind of pariah because of his reputation of being this kid killer, uh, unjustly uh, reputation. But and and all that stuff kind of works if this was a different movie, <laughs> if this was a David Gordon Green independent film. <laughs> and also, why is he be? mobbed by the high school kids yeah and the band kid the band band geeks and shit what the fuck and why are the band geeks the only kids in the entire like did michael kill them all like four years ago yeah everyone's dead i yeah so it's weird and it's it's, it really kind of breaks my heart because david gordon green is a good director and yet i see him like going from this franchise now he's going to the Exorcist, Exorcist franchise, and I I don't know if he's the right person to do that type of stuff. He but. isn't, but uh, but I mean, clearly, uh, seeing this movie in Halloween Kills, he's going to want to include some social commentary into uh, into uh, into the Exorcist, and I'm very curious what the hell he's going to end up doing with that movie. He's bringing back um Alan Burstyn, right? if I read correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, let's go back to Halloween Kills. I I do not recommend Halloween this. Ends. This or <laughs> Halloween ends. I do not recommend this. This was really a disappointing film for me. I really thought, they were, like I was saying, that they're going to refocus to Jamie Lee Curtis and really give her something to do. And that's the, that's probably the most disappointing. That's the most kind of frustrating thing is that Jamie Lee Curtis, who has been going around the fucking world mm-hmm. promoting this movie. Yeah. Doing, doing a, a lot, great job. Does, doing yeah. great performances in tears, like in every interview. Yes. And and, and she and, and she has given nothing to do with this 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 part in this 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 movie and it's, it's almost you f- your heart breaks for her uh, not necessarily for yourself because you have to sit through watching but at the, the same movie. time I can I can see why Jamie Lee Curtis probably I, I think she likes this movie I think she's proud of it and I can kind of see why well, she should be proud for the last 12 minutes yeah that, well that, that's the thing about Jamie Lee Curtis I mean she did a ter- terrific job promoting the movie and you just wish that she had a better part a better role Something just something to do with this movie, and she doesn't. She's really mostly in the background. I think I think she was equally in the background in both. Yeah. Um. Actually, maybe maybe she had a little bit more screen time in this one, but but still, like she was she was she added really nothing to either installment. Yeah, her her best part was in the 2018 Halloween, where she was much better, and, and really that should have been the only movie in this trilogy. They shouldn't yeah. have never. No, made the yeah, sequels. actually, they, uh, that they should have just written. They shouldn't have forced actually. Maybe Jamie Lee Curtis back into the franchise. Maybe these Halloween kills and Halloween or maybe, ends would have been better if they, if she just never came back. Maybe yeah, either she would have died in the in the 2018, or maybe Mike Myers would have died. Have back, you know, yeah. maybe she thinks you know. They should have just away they should have just ended the Laurie Strode storyline with the 2018 yeah. Halloween. Uh, I think these movies would probably be a lot better for that. Yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, so I can't recommend it. I don't, I don't recommend it. Uh, and I would say I don't watch ends, don't watch kills, but you could probably have a good time with the original 2018 Halloween or original remake. Uh, Rich, what, what would you recommend? I, obviously not, right? No, because 
it's worse than kills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Raymond, you, I think you're going to give it a slight recommendation. I recommend it. I, I do. But I, I do have to point out that I'm a fan of like the uh, Halloween four five and six, mostly because I, I appreciate the bold swings they were taking with that trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you think fans are going to like this movie or you think this is no. gonna, because they should have oh. put the script in the shredder. <laughs> Fans are not going to like this movie. Um, there will be some fans that like it. I think maybe some that just like me appreciate the bold swing. And then also I think there will be some fans that like it just because there's people, you know, born every day. And for someone, this is going to be their first Halloween movie. And, you know, for them, it's going to be a special film. But um, uh, at least it's better than Halloween Resurrection. Come on, guys. <laughs> Halloween Resurrection is like a they're doing a reality TV show inside the Michael Myers house. And Buster Rhymes kills uh, Michael Myers <laughs> in the end of the movie. Well, I'm sure. I, I mean, this is better than that. <laughs> I'm sure it's better than um, Rob Zombies. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So that was our thoughts on Halloween Ends, which is now available on Peacock. You can also check it out in theaters. Um, uh, thank you for listening to Insight Flicks. We'll be back uh, hopefully next week. All right. Bye-bye.